Welcome to Day Beautiful. I'm Adam Vitkavage, and this is a podcast where you can discover debut authors through in-depth interviews. If you like what you hear here, check out daybeautiful.net for more author interviews and book recommendations. You can also follow Day Beautiful on all social media at Day Beautiful. That's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Today's guest is an author living and writing in Portland, Oregon. She has an MFA from Mills College. Her work has appeared in Electric Literature, Time Magazine, The Rumpus, Paper Darts, and among others. In 2016, Quiet Lightning Books published a limited run of her book, The Sacred Text of Rosa, Who Was Great, complete with art by Stella Peach. Her new book, The Boy with the Bird in His Chest, is out now. Her name is M. Lund. Hey, Em, how's it going? Is it raining? Is it sunny? What's it like in Portland? <laughs> it is surprisingly sunny today. <laughs> February is kind of a, a curveball month for us. But yeah, some sometimes we get snowstorms, ice storms. Sometimes it's dumping rain. But today it's kind of nice out. That is wild. Well, I'm, I'm so stoked to be talking to you. Your book was one of, I mean, I think as soon as I got it, I don't even remember when it was, I read it right away, the cover, the title, everything about it. I was like, let's go. The Boy with the Bird in His Chest. What is it about? Um, so it follows Owen Tanner um, as a baby, actually. He's born on the day of the greatest flood in Montana's history. Um, and he has some medical problems. Uh, his mother takes him home uh, so that he can die in peace at their house. And a couple of days later, a bird emerges from his ribs, from behind his ribs. Um, so from that day forward, his mother is worried about him, worried about people testing him. She's She calls them the army of acronyms. Um, and so she hides him away for a decade in their house until he's 14 years old. Um, he starts roaming ends up caught in a forest fire, has an asthma attack, and uh, his mom reluctantly takes him to his doctor where his secret is found out. Um, from then on, it's sort of a whirlwind. She, she drives him to the Puget Sound, Washington to live with his uncle and cousin. And there he actually gets to have some sort of life outside of the house. He, gets, he finds community, um, he finds music, uh, yeah, it's it's really a book about secrets, right? He's got to keep keep the bird under wraps in his chest, and it's about finding community and finding people who who love you and see you. Yeah, yeah. I'll start with the obvious question: How the heck did you come <laughs> up with this, like the, the idea of a bird in a chest? Yeah, um, that's probably the question I get most frequently. <laughs> yep, I just um, figured I'd get it my, out of the way. Yeah, of course. Uh, my answer is almost always, I don't exactly know. Mm. <laughs> I'm not not ever really sure where ideas come from. Um, you know, typically when I sit down to write, I, I do tend to lean towards magical, strange, absurd um, plot lines in my stories. Um, and so I'm, I'm pretty always consistently thinking like, how can this be weirder? How can this be a little bit odder? little more messed up. Um, I was in grad school when I started it at Mills College in Oakland and was reading a lot of Amy Bender at the time. Um, was really, really very into her collection, The Girl with a Flammable Skirt. Um, and she uses a lot of really poignant metaphor and allegory, um, but it's all real. It's all 
you know, she, it's not, it's not made up. It, it feels real. And so I was really inspired by that. And I sat down and I remember just writing, you know, my name is Owen. I have a bird living inside of my chest. Her name is Gail. She's always been there. Um, and then it really just took off from there. Yeah. So the, I mean, so the sentence was the genesis, basically. Um, were you working on, like, what, what were you working on at the time that, like, um, like thematically, did you know you want to write, a, like, a coming-of-age type exploration? Yeah. I mean, I was definitely grappling with some things in my own personal life, um, uh, my own queerness and, and gender stuff, and was thinking a lot about high school years. <laughs> um, and I was working on, um, I brought this, this novel to grad school that I thought I would finish and quickly abandoned um, almost as soon as I started grad school and, and had just sort of, it was, it was a mound of voices that were <laughs> coming at me. And I was just sort of trying to write my way through them, which is, which is how I typically write. There's a lot of darkness. I just write through the darkness and try to find my way to a path of a, a story. Um, and so I was working on these stories that were all somehow connected and they were all high school kids falling in love. And I was trying to, and Owen was one of those voices. Um, and then his story pretty quickly early on emerged as the one that I should, <laughs> I should write about. So yeah, I was, I was thinking a lot about, you know, coming of age and that time in high school where we're trying to figure out who we are and find our place in the world for sure. Yeah. I mean, with this book, did it help kind of, I mean, you obviously wrote it after you were a teen and, but did it help kind of like rect, not rectify, did it help like you realize some of the emotions and feelings and exploration in your teens Did it help like clarify things for you? Yeah, I mean, I think all, all good writing should mm -hmm. do that to an author. Mm -hmm. um, I think when we are really working on what we're supposed to work on, what we're meant to work on, it moves us, it pushes us uh, to work through things, to maybe come to terms <laughs> with some things. I think this book in a lot of ways helped me um, understand myself so much better um, yeah, of course. And then, you know, I was, I think I was writing about this for the, the reader reading group guide that's going to come out with the book. Um, but yeah, this book in some ways is sort of the, the fantasy community I wish I had in high school. Um, I was very much a weird kid who hung out with punks and goth kids. And I, I definitely had a community and, and I found a lot of love and support in that community, but it was not queer. Um, this was, you know, spoiler alert, I'm in my 30s, so this was the early 2000s that I graduated high school in 2003. Um, so it was harder for us to come out at that time. Um, yeah, and I just, I really didn't have the space um, or the support to come out at that age, nor did I even understand who I was. Um, so in a lot of ways, I. I ended up writing Owen's story as a way to be like, wow, what if community had looked like this? What if I had found a community of queer kid, punk kids who, who really saw me and, and loved me at that age? 
Yeah, I, I'm a few years younger than you. I graduated high school in 07. And one of my best friends from like seventh grade to high school, and then we kind of like drifted apart. We bumped into each other years later. And he's like, Adam, I want to tell you something. I was like, sure, this is, I mean, we're, we're in a mall at food court. Like we literally bumped into each other. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm queer. I'm dating. I'm like, I've been with my partner for X years. And I was like, and he told me like, I didn't know how to tell, I didn't want to tell you, I, which is interesting because like, I'm very like LGBT friendly. I like, I was in like the gay straight alliance in high school. And it was just interesting that a best friend couldn't tell me because he felt the community around him wouldn't accept him. And it was like, just eye-opening because like, obviously I, yeah, I don't know where I'm getting with this. And and then he talked just about how literature really helped him. Where did the literature help you identify, help with your identity and, and getting through those times? Like in high school, were you reading a lot of queer lit, a lot of anything like that? Yeah. I mean, books like most authors, I think uh, saved my life in many ways. Um, yeah. Absolutely helped me discover myself. Um, I was talking about this with a friend the other day and I, I mean, I grew up in the nineties, um, trans women were just, it felt like we were non-existent. I grew up in a very evangelical Christian household, super, um, conservative, just really had no chance to, to really even know that trans women was a, was a possibility. Um, and I just absolutely loved Chuck Palahniuk's Invisible Monsters, which is the worst, not the worst book about trans women, but it is not a great book about trans women. Um, But I was 15 when I read it for the first time and I probably read it three or four times back to back. Like I would finish it and just start it over again. Um, So even though it was not great representation, um, we're not recommending it for anyone who wants to read about trans women. Um, Even just that small glimmer of possibility um, really, I, I really latched onto that when I was that age, it still took me years to realize that that's who I was, but, you know, I think it sort of planted the seed as, of the possibility. And of course, I mean, I, I read a lot of books by career authors and always have, even before I came out, um, Tom Spanbauer, uh, is one of my absolute favorite authors, James Baldwin, um, yeah, I mean, I could sit here and list queer authors forever. Um, but yeah, I think that that books absolutely helped me discover yeah. who I am. Was, I mean, was Polina kind of your first exposure to like the trans community? Like, you know what I mean? Like you said, it wasn't a good representation, but like, do you remember when like trans kind of came into like your, your consciousness? Yeah, I mean, I think that was the first time that I was like, oh, there are real people who transition, who um, seek medical transition, who, you know, I, yeah, I think, I think that was the first time. I don't think it was a great introduction. Um, I think, yeah, it was sloppy and, and yeah, not great. Um, but yeah, it was one of my first introductions. And then of course, because I grew up in the nineties, I did often see us as the butt of the joke and a lot of movies and, and TV shows. And so I did, you know, and Jerry Springer and, and all daytime television and stuff. It's like, I knew we existed, but it didn't feel like a, a great life was possible um, for a long time. And I guess when was the first time you really saw trans representation 
properly done across all media, not just books. Do you, do you remember the first time you're like, oh, this is like the proper way. This is the right way. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's a proper sure. or right way exactly. Um, the first time I saw something or read something and was like, oh, wow, that feels like a possibility um, was really like the mid 2000s, like early 2010s. I feel like there's a lot of media coming out. Um, honestly, Laverne Cox's character in Orange is the New Black, um, Imogen Binney's Nevada, um, Sybil Lamb's book, uh, I've Got a Time Bomb, really um, blew my mind at the time when I read it, I think in 2013. Um, yeah, those are the first few pieces of media that I got that were like, oh, wow, like there are real people who do this. And then, of course, honestly, in that time, I was living in the Bay and I really fell into a community of queer and trans poets in the in the Bay Area. And those were much more influential um, as far as me understanding that a life was possible. Um, we're just real, real world friends around me who we're living their best life. Yeah. Was that around the time to bring it back to your book it, where it was uh, boy with the bird written starting around then the early two thousands or did that come later? Yeah, it was early 2010. So um, I started writing it in 2013. Um, I had moved to Oakland in 2011. Um, yeah, that was, and that was around the same time I met that, that community of, of folks. So I met through mills and the wider San Francisco Bay Area writing scene. Um, yeah, around that same time. Yeah, and then, and so you found like a really good community, obviously Owen finds his community. Um, one thing that just really blew me away is just, I mean, other than like the, the premise is just like your grasp on, on writing really. Um, it just, it, it feels right every sentence and, I think people say that a lot where it's like every sentence is pitch perfect, but really it's like, I don't know. I, I guess what I'm getting at is a, a compliment because I was blown away by your book, but also do you focus on the sentence a lot? Do you focus on larger ideas and then come back to it? Like what is your actual writing process to make such a beautiful book? Thank you. First of all. Um, yeah. I mean, I do definitely concentrate on the sentence level um, books, novels, even short stories or essays feel feel too big to me when I sit down to write. I cannot, if I, if I start thinking about writing 300 pages of a story and all that needs to go into it, my mind <laughs> goes haywire and I, I just freeze. Um, so my way to battle that is to sit down and just promise myself I just have to get to the end of the sentence. And so I just work on it, just sentence by sentence. Um, I'm a very slow writer, um, or at least I feel like I'm a slow writer. Um, I read my work out loud hundreds of times, um, just over and over again to really make sure the cadence is there. Um, and it's how I mix, how I, how I catch any typos or any mistakes. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of reading out loud. It's a lot of paying attention to each sentence, um, getting the feel right. And I read a lot of poetry too. Um, I always have a collection of poetry that sits on my on my desk in my writing studio that I'm reading through. And I'll just, whenever I'm having a hard time, I'll pick it up and read a few poems. And I think poets really 
understand how to pay attention to language. And I mean, you said that every sentence, every word feels right. I mean, I feel like that. I get all that from poetry. Mm-hmm. Really, you also just mean you you write poetry as well, or you published at least in the past, correct? Or, yeah. yeah, I have in the past. I haven't. I haven't in years. Poetry was what I first when I was fifteen. That was really my thing was writing poetry and and song lyrics and things like many of us. And and I did write it a bit um, a few years ago. I had some poems published, but. I, maybe I will in the future, but I sure. haven't written a poem in a few years. I mean, but that makes sense. Every time I talk to a writer who says, you know, you need to read poetry, you need to at least try to write it to make your sentence yeah. work in novels. That makes 100% sense. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah, I'm so blown away by that. So, so just like talking about the structure or like the structure of your writing of this novel, you, you have a sentence, you really focus on the, the sentence level. Did you, did you know kind of the plot did you know where you wanted Owen's like arc to go the entire time finding the community was that always part of it I wish I did know that that was the book was that that was what the book was going to be about early on um but I did not (laughs) like I said earlier I I really kind of feel my way through the writing um and so I just wrote so many pages of just meandering um nothing really me just trying to figure out who these characters were, what they were doing in the same room together. Um, and eventually a plot emerged and I understood um, what the book was to be about. And, and at that point, I think it was like really like 2017, sometime around then, like really probably four years after I started the book where I was like, oh, that's what needs to happen. And I was able to write it in just a few months. I, I finished yeah. the rest and, and had a, a first draft that I edited down. Is that why you say you think you're a slow writer? Like trying to figure out what you're actually writing or physically writing the sentences are slow? Both. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all around. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I'm sort of waiting or plotting through the plot, trying to figure out what's going on. And then I also feel like I, I maybe really focus on the sentence level um it's just what helps with my anxiety (laughs) I think that I'm a very anxious person so I need a lot of those kind of tricks and tools to to cure my anxiety and which makes me more anxious because then I'm like why isn't this finished yet (laughs) what can we do (laughs) I mean but other than this novel that you've been working for a while you have written many essays in the past um saying you support trans right isn't enough here's how to prove it for time things like that about the trans community about about your experiences in the uh the mega church i think you wrote something for rumpus um what do very dumb question but like what do essays what, what like what's so why do you want to write essays why do you want to write these these thoughts and, and put them out there instead of just focusing on fiction like so many writers do i i don't know um i wish i could tell you yeah sometimes i mean I really have been writing a lot of essays lately and I, I can't say why exactly. I mean, I know why for the last two months and it's because I have a book coming out um, and that's the name of the game. But yeah, in general, I, I mean, I am working on another book um, and a few other ideas. And I do with, with the last month or two aside, cause I've been doing so much publicity for this own novel. That is where a bulk of my attention goes is on the next book. But I think it just, it helps me work through the story in some ways, helps me organize my ideas um, to write these essays where I really get a focus on just 
one idea, a couple of thoughts and sort of string them together with scenes. Um, yeah, I think it informs my books. I, I think that, you know, of course, narrative structure informs my essays too. Um, yeah, but I'm not sure why. I've, I mean, the last year, especially, I've just felt like I've been on an essay kick and, and that's what's coming to me when I sit down. Yeah, I just, I, because I, I, I know part of the game is that, yeah, you have to publish all these things in all these different places the months leading up to your novel. But I, you know, I know some of them did, essays did go farther back. So I was just curious further back. Um, yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah, one thing I do. I, I want to make sure I talk about because, you know, I obviously inter interview debut authors and that's a broad, loose term because you do have like a, you had a small run book come out in 2016. That was like a, mm -hmm. a collaborative art novel. Um, the Sacred Text of Rosa, who was great. Was that, tell me about that. I, Cause I, I discovered that in my research of you. So. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that was published in what feels like another life. Um, I, so one of the organizations that I was a part of um, when I was in the Bay Area was this um, press slash literary reading series called Quiet Lightning. Um, and I had written a story called The Sacred Text of Rosa, who was great, um, a few months before. And they, they ran this social media contest where they were like, look, like we wanna, they publish a book every year and they were like this year, all of our entries have to appear on social media first. Um, and so they wanted the entirety of the book to be available on Twitter or Instagram or Tumblr at the time. Um, and so I had this story that I couldn't really find a home for. It was kind of a weird length and <laughs> no one really wanted to publish it. And uh, my partner, who's my wife now, um, is an incredible visual artist. Um, and I was, I was doing laundry with my friend Zoe Tuck, who's a poet, um, and her and I were talking about this contest and we both sort of decided to enter it together. We're like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, I have something, Zoe had something. Um, and so I went home and talked my wife into drawing an image a day for it. Um, and so we ended up posting it across Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr, um, just an image and a short piece from the book um, over the month of August, I think. Um, and it ended up winning um, the contest, which was awesome. And they printed a, a small, I think it was like three or 400 books, like almost nothing. They're sold out now, I believe, um, on Risograph um, inked paper. And yeah, it was, it was great. It was like this small chapbook People really enjoyed it. Um, it was really, really fun to write, of course, and then fun to publish across social media. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's not available anymore. I think I have like five in my closet here at my house, but <laughs> that's it. Yeah, no, I was reading about it just in the, I was on the, the, the Twitter for it, I guess. Um, oh, yeah. Er, earlier today. Yeah, it's just, I, I just find that like, you know, art and, and literature, which is art, is just so interesting how many ways it can come through. And, and this is just one example. Um, you mentioned you're working on something, a new novel. I don't, you, need, you don't need to tell me about it. You don't need to, I, that's bad luck. That's fine. But like, I guess you say you're a slow writer. How long have you been working on it <laughs> already? Um, yeah, I mean, 
the way that projects tend to come to me, this came to me nearly the day after I finished writing um, The Boy with a Bird in His Chest. Um, I actually think I was still writing the ending, but I knew what the ending was and I knew where it was going and I was a week away from it. And I just, this other idea popped into my head. Um, so that was around 2018 <laughs> that I started writing it. Um, and you know, I've got, I've got a chunk. There is a sure. book there. You there have four is, years of a chunk. <laughs> yeah, it is technically a book. Um, but yeah, it is, it's very messy. I, and I haven't really had time to work on it for the last couple of months because of publicity. Mm -hmm. And I'm also still bartending nights um, at my, my night job, as I call it. Yeah. Um, so I, I haven't had much time to give it attention. So I've been just writing down notes and things mm -hmm. for scenes. And I have pages of notes of scenes that I want to write. So I, I am looking forward to getting to it here in March when, when publicity slows down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I always hear that from authors. It's like, yep, the past two months, I've done nothing but talk to people like you and write essays <laughs> and lists for publications to promote my book. Um, are you still involved true. in like the arts community? You, it sounds like you really were in Oakland. Are you, are you up in Portland? Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, there's a great organization here called Literary Arts um, here in Portland. Um, I was a Literary Arts Fellow in 2019. Um, they do lovely work. I, I still know a lot of people from that scene. Um, I'm doing a reading tonight um, in a town called Estacada with the Estacada Arts Council. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's so important. Um, as a writer, just to be in community with other writers, no other writers at least. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm a part of the, the literary community here. I'm very proud of that. Oh, terrific. Yeah, I, I love to hear that. And then and I'll wrap up with what have you been reading? What is on your radar that you want to read maybe? Yeah. Um, so currently reading uh, Lena Ferrante's The Lying Life of Adults, which is her book that came out last year. Well, tra the translation came out last year. Um, I love her work. So I'm absolutely eating that up. Um, books I'm, I'm excited about. Um, Gretchen's Manhunt, which comes out in uh, just a week after my book. Looks incredible from Tor. Um, X by Davy Davis. Uh, is coming out with Catapult in June. Um, and I'm currently, I picked up that manuscript just a couple of days ago and it's incredible. Yeah, plenty of books. I just read uh, Alex McElroy's The Atmospherians last month. That was a great book. Um, Unknown Language by Hugh Lemmy. Yeah, Alex's book was, it came out in paperback recently, and it's one of my favorite books of 2021. It was so good. Fantastic. And I know yeah. on Twitter, we were both, um, I had got a copy and you said, like, you can't wait for your copy to come of, um, I'm going to mess the name up, Sirens and Muses, Muses and Sirens by Antonia Ingress. Oh, um, yeah. That is, I started reading it, by the way, it is exquisite. So once you get your copy. I, I yes. can't wait. <laughs> yes, yeah, was... she did mention mine was coming. So I am yes. looking forward to that. Yeah, and Tony and I are, are both part of a, a writer slack. So we talk quite a bit. But yeah, oh, she, a secret writer slack. <laughs> <laughs> Super secret. <laughs> I will get murdered for saying something. <laughs> so, um, well, and thanks so much for talking to me. Uh, we're 
we're doing a so by the time this podcast is out yeah we'll have a few weeks we're doing a virtual event with tattered cover where i also work and you're gonna be with kristen arnett who's the funniest person on the planet um so i can't wait for that i can't wait to see you again in a few weeks yeah that'll be on the 22nd yeah Yeah, the 22nd yeah so like about a week after this podcast comes out yes um, i'm so excited well good luck with everything um I can't wait to see what else you do in the future. I'm super stoked. (laughs) Thanks, Adam. It's a pleasure being here. (laughs) Thank you so much to M for joining the podcast. You can find her website at mlund.net. She's on Instagram at underscore mlund and then on Twitter at m underscore lund. So just make sure you put the underscore in the right place. You can find Day Beautiful at Day Beautiful on all social media and daybeautiful.net for more author interviews and recommendations. As always, I'm Adam. This is Day Beautiful, and you're all beautiful.